You're listening to Creatively Human with honest conversations about what matters to us and how it really feels to build an online business, put our work out into the world, make an impact in our own unique way, and importantly, to get well paid for it. I'm your host, Ruth Poundwhite, business mentor to quietly ambitious humans. Hi, and welcome back to another interview on the Creatively Human podcast. Today, I am really happy to share this interview with one of my incredible business buddies, one of my mastermind sisters, Genevieve Parker-Hill. Genevieve is an international best-selling author, speaker, coach, and leading expert in the fields of minimalism, intentional living, nomad lifestyle, and creative growth. She has been featured in many outlets, including Elle Canada and Complete Wellbeing magazine. She has published five books of her own and now helps people turn their solo podcast episodes into books. And honestly, she is also so on board with the philosophy of doing less in order to make things happen in your life and business. So in today's episode, we talked all things writing and putting your work out there with an emphasis on publishing your own book. And Genevieve honestly has so much knowledge and wisdom about the world of self-publishing, having done it herself so many times. And we get into some of the some of the kind of mindset things and feelings around claiming that title of a writer, um, the imposter syndrome that comes with that, the kind of stigma around self-publishing, but the massive benefits of doing so, especially for business owners. And I think you'll find this episode really interesting, even if you're not exactly thinking of writing a book, because Genevieve has got a really interesting take on what it means to write a book. And spoiler alert, it isn't necessarily about writing. It could be about smart repurposing and figuring out the way that you best communicate. Anyway, I am definitely sold on the idea of um, publishing my own book in my business. And I'm pretty sure that you will be by the end of this episode too. So, It was a wonderful, wonderful chat and I know you're going to enjoy it. But before we dive into that, I have to warn you, unfortunately, there was a dodgy connection with my microphone during this interview. So Genevieve sounds perfect, but on my side, it's a little bit, um, yeah, it doesn't sound the best, but it's just another example in showing up and doing things imperfectly anyway. Luckily, I was not the one doing most of the talking, but you may notice it sounds a little bit funny, like the volume levels are a little bit off on my microphone and there's a little bit of white noise, but yeah, um, it's just part of showing up imperfectly. And I know you're going to love this conversation anyway, but I just wanted to warn you. And I also need to add that you can find Genevieve online at podcast2book.com. That's podcast and a number two book.com. Anyway, on to the episode. Okay, Genevieve, so why don't you start by telling us a bit about your journey as a writer? Okay, and um, first of all, I have to say thanks so much, Ruth, for having me on your podcast. This You're welcome. going to be so much fun. Um, all right, journey as a writer. I started writing at some point as a kid, keeping journals. And then I majored in creative writing in university. I invented my own major. I, we had a design your own major program and I designed my own major because we didn't have that in my school. 
And I wanted to study publishing, so I actually studied abroad and studied publishing in England and for one semester. And so I got this uh, cool self-designed major in, in creative writing. And then I moved to Hollywood and I studied screenwriting with the dream of being a screenwriter. And, <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't succeed in that. I don't know. I might've gotten paid to do a little writing in Hollywood, but what I did get join is a great school for writers. And I eventually started working for the school and mentoring other writers from a very young age, like right almost just a couple years out of university. And that was such a privilege and it taught me so much about creative people, the writing process, um, I mean, of course, story and writing and just the creative journey that that is, you know, different for everybody. But at the same time, there's a lot of similar similarities that we all go through on, on our creative journey as we're making things. Um, and then I wrote five books and published them. So <laughs> that's that's it in a nutshell. I love hearing about that because obviously we're in our mastermind together, but I did not know all of that stuff. So it's really, really interesting. <laughs> you really have got a lot of experience then both as a writer yourself and working with other writers. Yes, yes. And after I, after I worked for that particular school, I did also start my own business as a coach, coaching writers too. So that, you know, that's continued because it wasn't, I didn't work for that school for very long, maybe two years or something like that. But then I continued working for them. I mean, I did, I did work for them for a while, kind of freelance, and then I started my own thing. Yeah, yeah. So I know that there were some things you wanted to dig into as a writer yourself, but also having had that experience working with others. So are there any kind of common themes or experiences that kind of come to mind for you? Yes, yes. I love to talk about this because there, okay, there's this one common theme I've noticed. And I was thinking before this podcast about your audience in general, your, I mean, specifically your listeners here are um, mostly like very intelligent um, and, uh, and introverted. And I've noticed something about generally introverted, intelligent, creative people Um as I've worked with writers, that they question themselves a lot. Like they question their ability to write. Um, am I a good writer? Who am I to write? Who am I to put a book out into the world or any kind of creative writing project? And and then I've also worked with a lot of people. So I've worked with a lot of people like that. And then I've also worked with people who they just don't have those voices in their head or they've overcome them or they just are, have a different personality and they um, they just write and they just put it out there and they feel very driven to do that. And what I've noticed in general is, and this is really amazing to me, is that the people who question their writing and the, the quality of their writing are usually the better writers isn't that crazy? I love that. I mean, it's sort of. <laughs> it's kind of weird. It's weird. It's almost like, you know how they say, if you're not sure of your sanity, you're probably sane. Yeah. Like to question the, the really, truly insane people don't usually question their own sanity. But if you're mm. once in a while, if you're like, am I insane? 
you're probably sane because that's a sane thing to do. It's the same with writing. Mm -hmm. It's so funny. And it's not, I'm not saying every case. I'm not saying that if you're questioning, if you're a good writer, you're automatically an amazing writer. But usually that means you have this thoughtfulness and self-awareness that is one of the traits that makes a good writer. Mm. And and definitely one of the traits that makes a writer who can improve. And writing is just all about practicing just like anything else. So, and then one of the, I, I don't know if you asked me about this, but um, I think you did. <laughs> I think it was wrapped up in that question about writing a book is that I am very evangelical about everyone should write a book. I mean, every business owner should write a book. If you have your own business that requires you to teach or coach or mentor or help people share your journey, like writing a book is so great for that. Um, and it's much more simple than a lot of people think it needs to be. And there's a lot of different ways you can write a book. Um, that make it easier. And like, I always just want to ask everybody, like, why haven't you written a book? Like, Ruth, where's your book? Like, seriously, where's your book? Why haven't you written a book? Okay. <laughs> and I want to ask everybody I know who I want to follow on a, who I want to follow their podcast, or I want to follow their YouTube channel, or I want to read all their blogs. Like, okay, have you written a book? Where is it? Let me go look it up. So I like the fact that you brought that up alongside I guess what you're describing is imposter syndrome as a writer, because mm -hmm, I mean, yeah. I'm guessing that's one reason why people listening to this might be like, oh my goodness, everyone should write a book? No way. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm definitely going to dig into that more. But first, I just wanted to, so something that came to mind when you were talking about the, that kind of imposter syndrome was this whole idea of calling yourself a writer in the first place. So... Mm. I have found it very, very hard to call myself a writer. <laughs> I just sort of force myself, like, it's not on there anymore, but I used to have it on my Instagram bio. Because I was like, that's how I made my living, <laughs> writing. Mm -hmm. not, I mean, I'm, I'm so desperate to add loads of caveats to it right now, but I'm holding back. <laughs> but yeah. Good job, good job. And I had it on my Instagram bio and I just decided, you know, that's sort of like one step that I have to take. I just need to put it on there and put it out there but it was very very hard and like have you always found it easy to call yourself a writer or like what's your journey been like with that like self-identifying as a writer yeah it was not always easy it was very hard but I just tackled it every I tackled it in university and that's where I, I remember having multiple conversations with my mentor professor of like I'm um, a I'm um I'm a ooh. Writer, I'm a writer, and he was great. He was having me like introduce, like he we we would have these speaking events where the poet laureate of the state would come and and talk, and I had to introduce them. And you know, he was, and I sit next to them, and and I would just remember feeling that imposter syndrome, like, oh my gosh, who am I, who's taken one poetry class to be sitting next to this poet and introducing their work. And they're, you know, them and calling myself a writer and it was hard. And then, you, you know, you just practice and you do it. It's just like starting a business. Like everybody does not need to start a business. But if you've already started a business and you're a business owner or you're calling yourself an entrepreneur or a coach or a mentor or whatever your business is, then that's already like a really amazing mindset step. You know, that's some, that's an identity thing that you've been able to take on. And if you can do that, you can call yourself a writer too. Um, and a writer is just someone who writes. I mean, we all 
we, we write email, we write, <laughs> we write Instagram posts and text messages. So that's all it is. I think that just break, you know, doing all the self-talk, breaking it down, saying your affirmations. I'm a writer. I'm a writer, someone who writes. I get paid to write, which you do, which we do. So that's, yeah, it's hard. It's not easy, but it's like anything where you're taking a step into your, you know, the next step that you see for yourself in the future, uh, you're, you're stepping towards your dream. You kind of have to grow into that role, uh, grow into that. I think your mindset has to expand. I agree with that. So like sometimes I think, and I see this in general with people building businesses, they don't see themselves as business owners. They've got some idea in their head of what it means to be a business owner. And they have to have like X, Y, Z personality traits or knowledge of tech stuff or understanding of finances or whatever it is. And the truth is that I think that you have to step into that role before you're ready to. You just have to decide that you are. And then firstly, you get to define what that even looks like in the first place. But secondly, you give yourself that space to actually practice and get better at it without judging yourself, which I think is really true with writing in, in the, what you were just sharing. I, let me know what you think about this, because I've been reflecting on like what it is to be a good writer. And obviously there's a lots of different types of writing. But one of the things that I feel is a really key thing for a lot of writing is that you understand or you explore how people think and feel and you can communicate that to get people to think and feel something. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, that's beautifully said. I love it. Actually, I was thinking about doing an Instagram post um, today asking people what, like fill in the blank, a good book is, you know, and that's kind of the same question. A good good writing does this and getting people to feel, I mean, it can do anything. You can write to get your, um, uh, to express your opinion. You can write to make people feel something. And that's what a lot of fiction writers do. Just take me on a journey. I want to escape or um, take me on an empathetic journey. And I want to feel what it's like to go through something or um, to influence, which is to lead to, to help people, which is, I think what you're, you and I are here for. Yeah. And interestingly, that has many things that many correlations with entrepreneurship and marketing. Yes. And I know that a lot of us, um, when we run our business, we spend a lot of time thinking about you know, we spend a lot of time trying to understand our ideal clients and trying to help them in some way. Obviously, there's lots of different types of marketing and some of it we may resonate with more than others. Some of, some of it we may not agree with, but really good marketing really just comes down to understanding people and providing the yes. thing that they're looking for, which is like, it's really interesting yes. that it came up for me the way you were just describing writing. Yeah. Oh, that's so, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah, what you said just makes me think of like good marketing versus marketing that's maybe not bad, but it just doesn't appeal or apply or I'm not the target market, which is so much of marketing. I mean, um, but good marketing, it's almost like a pleasure to have in front of me, you know, like a a good advertisement that's some like right now I'm looking for um, like a, a 
<laughs> this is this is <laughs> unrelated to writing books, but I'm looking for a product in my life that's going to help me have more sustainable period. Like, so I, I want to use less pads and use more like reusable pads for my menstrual cycle. And so I'm just like, yes, yes. Like if you, you know, I'm looking for the marketing. I'm like, I want it. I want it to speak to me. I want it to know what my problems are. And so much of it doesn't. And I'm just like, who is this for? Other women must not have this problem that I have. Um, and I'm like, who, who, who are they talking to? Cause it's not me. But if, you know, if there is one paragraph that's talking to me, it's like such, I feel so understood. I feel loved. <laughs> I feel like, you know, someone gets me and they, they must have, they must care. They must care about me. And I, and I, I taking it back to writing, like, I mean, that is writing. Good copy is, is I think good writing, but any kind of good writing, it's, I mean, it depends on what kind of writing we're talking about. Like, I imagine your book, Ruth, would be like a lot of uh, about your journey as a business owner and about um, your journey of being able to be who you are in your business and create a business around exactly who you are. And I also think that um, there'd be like some teaching in there and then also a lot of like telling your your story so that it connects with other people who have a similar story. And like, that's what I think writing can do is it can be great marketing writing, great copy where we're really just trying to connect with our ideal customer client, but it can also just be really descriptive about something really personal. And other people might be able to then say, well, that's not me exactly, but I get that she's really a human and that didn't happen to me, but I can imagine what it would be like for that to happen to me or to go through something like that, or I can, that's a metaphor that I can, I can learn something from and apply to my life. It's, if it's just written in a really engaging way, which I bet your book would be. <laughs> I love you talking about my book and what would be in my book. <laughs> but yeah, and then what, what came up for me then was also the idea that it's not for everyone as well. And like this whole idea of like calling yourself a writer, well, who's deciding what a good writer is? Because not all writing is for everyone, not all marketing is for everyone. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. for the right people. Yes, yes. And one thing that was really encouraging for me when I started publishing my own book, which was a who actually you want to talk about like a uh, imposter syndrome that was worse, much worse for me than calling myself a writer was publishing myself because there's such a stigma around independent publishing. At least there used to be. It's less so now. There still is a bit. Um, and then doing it and being a self-published author, um, that, wow, that was a big, I don't, I didn't remember what I was going to, I was going, I had a story in mind for this, but I forgot what the story was, but, um, yeah, that, that was a big shift for me to publish myself. Like, who am I to think that my words are, um, something that should just be out there. Oh, I remembered what it was. So what would encourage me in that journey, because that publishing um, books of my own was was very hard and very, the, the process itself is actually easy now, um, nowadays with Amazon, but the mindset journey was tough. So here's what helped me a lot is I started to read a lot of other self-published authors, a lot of authors in general. I started to read a little bit more widely, not just the New York Times bestsellers, which is a great starting place to find good books or, you know, friends recommending things. But I started to read other, other things too. And, um, 
I started to read some authors who I knew were selling a lot of books and I found their writing quality to be not exactly like 100%, you know, shining and golden, we'll say. It was not perfect. It wasn't perfect. Maybe there were some typos. Maybe there was like, you know, maybe it was some fiction with like a, some gaps in the plot, for example. And there's a lot of stuff out there that is kind of encouraging in that it's not perfect and it's still out there and it's still selling and people are loving the stories. Um, and also in nonfiction, same thing, same thing in nonfiction, which is what I tend to write more. And that fact, the fact that, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect was really encouraging to me to put my stuff out there. And, and it, my stuff is not perfect. It's not for everybody, but it does help a good number of people who find it. And I'm always getting better. And so that's, I think that's something that stops people like maybe writing is one thing. Maybe you can write your own, you know, for your private consumption or, I mean, but I think just publishing to an email list can be scary. But then when you publish to Amazon to potentially millions of readers, that's where I think people get scared. What do you think? Well, firstly, thank you for sharing that because I think that's really, really useful. And I do think, so in my experience of working with people online in their businesses, people seem to have different feelings. It seems to be individual to me. So like what you said about email lists, some people find that to be their safe space and it because it's really enclosed, you know who's on your email list. So public, publishing a newsletter is a lovely way to like build up a writing habit as a business owner. But for other people, yes. they're terrified of it because it goes directly to, their in, to people's inboxes. Mm. And I think there's some sort of intrusion that they feel um, or pressure that they feel to make it like really, really good. Um, and certainly for me, when I think about my writing, it's the stuff that, yeah, can potentially get out there to more people. That is the scariest for me. So I could definitely, I, you know what? I did actually publish mm. a book on Kindle um, many years ago. Oh, cool. I did. And <laughs> it was, <laughs> so I was freelancing. Um, I was working for various clients, like writing copy for websites and I wrote a book. My plan was to do like a series of books. I wrote one book about getting started um, as a freelance writer online. Um, and then I never wrote the other ones. This book is not available anymore, but I do remember like my auntie saw it on Amazon and I was just like, oh, <laughs> it freaked me out so much. And I know that this is my thing. Like I, I know it's not just me because I've spoken to a lot of people about this now, but I definitely have a thing about people in real life finding my mm. things online. So just having something yes. on a platform like Amazon, which everyone uses, that <laughs> definitely scares me. So yes, I would agree that that would be mm. feeling quite scary to put my name to that. And also what you said about that stigma about self-publishing. I'd like to dig into mm -hmm. that a little bit more because I find that really interesting. Yeah. Like, there's this whole idea that, you know, I mean, getting a publishing deal is a massive, um, what's the word? It's really good for your reputation and all of that. It looks good. Mm -hmm. um, yes. But it's not necessarily, yes. yeah, prestigious. And it's not necessarily the best in terms of like earning the money from the books or no, whatever not else. At all. Not at all. So that's really interesting no. as well. But it's still got that like um, that prestigiousness, <laughs> if that's a word, about it. it. Yeah. Yes. So it's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, I want to. I'd love to share some little known facts about traditional publishing versus self-publishing. 
Um, and I think the biggest is, well, this this is probably well known, which is that the publishing industry is changing massively. It's shifting so much. Traditional publishing is not what it once was. And the numbers are kind of a highly guarded secret and hard to find exact numbers. But it, from my research, self-published authors make more from their book royalties than traditionally published authors do. Unless they're like, you know, top, unless it's like a Glennon Doyle, who is who is a number one New York Times bestseller. And um, she's probably making more, but still per book, she's probably making much less than I am, for example, per book. Now her book sales would be astronomically higher than mine. So we're not comparing her income to mine, but but for example, she might be making a dollar on the book, uh, on a book that sells for $10. And I might be making $5 on a book that sells for $10 just as a general like you know comparison. And so that's something to really think about and most people and I um book people who are getting book deals already have massive audiences. So they would actually be better served financially. I can pretty much say this is a blanket statement by self-publishing. But it is a lot of work to self-publish. You're taking a lot of the response you're taking all the responsibility and control into your own hands, which I love. But it's, you know, it's a lot. So someone who has a massive millions of Instagram followers, they're going to get a book deal pretty easily from a traditional publisher because they're looking for those numbers. So they want the book sales. And then they will, someone who already has a big platform, they're going to provide some marketing budget and, you know, a book tour maybe. But, although not anymore <laughs> because of the pandemic. But so now is such a great time to self-publish. And so if you're, if you have a small platform, chances of you getting a book deal traditionally are very, very low unless you have like a lot of letters after your name. Like you're maybe if you're in a very specialized field, you're a doctor of, of this or that and you have a really and you have some research to share or or something that's really unusual to share. But for everyone else, um, getting a traditional publishing deal is going to be unlikely but if it happens it's a good thing i mean um but in general it's not going to be a financial win for you and it's probably not even going to be much of anything other than the prestige which is which is not you know it's i'm i love prestige it feels great but it's just good to know these facts going into if you're pursuing a traditional publishing deal like it's you're not it's it's not even going to necessarily bring you more Instagram followers or a bigger email list or a bigger audience. Maybe a little bump in those areas, but it's mostly just about having the publisher's name after your book and being a traditionally published author, you know, knowing for yourself like okay, someone else picked me. And that can feel really good. And that is having that outside validation is really really nice. Um I've not been traditionally traditionally published, so I'm imagining that it feels really, really good. Um, I mean, I have been in like a journal, like in a, not, not in like, not a book. I have been in um, magazines and journals, but it, you know, it does feel good. It, it feels great that, so, so yeah, that's just something people don't know. So if you're in business for the money, <laughs> um, you should self-publish. There's a really, it's, I mean, unless you have a massive platform, you should self-publish. And, and yeah, and it's it's just getting easier, and I'd love to talk about that. I, I definitely, I'd love to talk definitely. about how how easy it is and how different ways you can write your book. Yeah. Before we talk about that, let me just mm -hmm. say, like, so it sounds to me like there's a real mindset thing going on here. Um, that, and I can I can totally see how this would be a thing. I'm not saying I, so. I would imagine that when you get a traditional book deal, it's not all like 
all like roses and whatever it's probably very (laughs) nerve-wracking in many ways Mm -hmm, however mm -hmm. you do have that external validation like you said like somebody has put has said like you you know we want you we want you to do this um and you don't get that when you self-publish um but money-wise Yes, self-publishing is the option, especially for people, I suppose, who are like us. We've got audiences, we're building audiences. They're not massive, but we do have engaged audiences of people who could, yes. who we can public, like who can benefit from our book, right? So the money benefit. Yes. But also, yes. I would be curious to hear the mindset benefit of taking that leap. So you talked mm. about how you felt before you self-published. How does it feel now that you've done it several times? It feels amazing now. I don't have any stigma about not being traditionally published now. In fact, I just feel sorry for people who are traditionally published in general a little bit because I feel like they, you know, they just have to have these difficult conversations. Like, for example, have you seen um, Brene Brown's TED talk about her book cover, about her, like the arguments she would have about her book covers? Like her publishers came back with all these different book covers for the translations that would go into different countries. And she just made me laugh so much. Like there was one with an elephant's butt on the cover. Like what? Like who? She was like, I've done some work on body positivity and feeling good about my body, but there is no way I'm having an elephant's butt on the cover of my book about vulnerability. Oh my goodness. So um, so that was kind of a tangent. So to your question, to your to this point about being, uh, you know, co- co- overcoming this mindset thing. Um, once you do it, um, it's, once I did it, I, oh, I think it probably took a, about a year of like feeling kind of vulnerable or feeling like I'd really put myself out there in a way that was uncomfortable for me to get over it. And I think what really helped was the external validation of positive reviews um, and and the instant feedback. The self-publishing process can be a lot faster than traditional publishing. So if you get a traditional publishing deal, it's going to be one to two years before your pub date, your your publication day. And that's a lot of time with just you and your editors, you know, like worrying if people are going to like the book. And if you put it out there uh, through self-publishing, you can pretty much get instant feedback. People read it, as, fa- as fast as you put it out there. And hey, if you're getting a bunch of one-star reviews, you can take it down. You can republish it. You can fix it and put it out there again. So I think getting good reviews, getting people saying positive things about the writing, just the readers, because those are the people I care about, the people who, who need the book, who are going to read the books. And that that helped too, because we I think we do need, we all need external validation. I mean, it's it's hard to just keep going. We need that internal voice too, and I definitely work on that. I do mindset work every day. But, I, you know, I don't do it so much anymore around being a writer or being self-published or being a creative because that's just, it worked. <laughs> My mindset, you know, I've just been working on it for so long that it's it's now it's in my bones that I'm someone who gets work out there. And I, and I'm, I think maybe let's get to the root of what are you, what are we afraid of? Like, we're like, I don't know, like you're self-published, your name's out on Amazon and somebody in your family or your friend group is maybe we're worried about them secretly thinking that you are a failure because you didn't get a traditional deal and you're one of those self-published authors (laughs) like that's let's face that fear like whatever it is like let's get let's explore it and and dissect it and I think it'll just dissipate 
I can see parallels in what you've just said between like between that and everything I've ever done like honestly and at a certain point it just becomes normal and like commonplace like I feel think about me with this podcast I'm not saying that it doesn't mean it's always easy like it, it's not always easy and like I was telling you before we started I haven't done this for a long time so I'm <laughs> definitely feeling rusty but thankfully uh, it's you and we know each other very well so it's easy but um yeah it's so much you're easier than it used to be and I can imagine like yeah. your journey there it sounds like you feel so much more um you just feel like comfortable in that in that role now it sounds like that to me anyway I do I mean I feel comfortable as a self-published author very uh happy in that role yeah and a little superior <laughs> a little arrogant <laughs> because yeah I just I mean, I'm not saying I would turn down a traditional publishing deal, but it would have to be a very, very, very good deal. And yeah, and I just, and I even think that it's like they come, you know, mostly they, publishers nowadays, especially now more than ever, they, they really need you to have a big, huge audience. And that, you know, with a huge audience, you can, you can reach your own audience and sell them. So it to sell to them and reach them and, you know, reach exactly who you want to reach with your message. And so, but a traditional book deal could have a wider reach and that's definitely worth considering. Um, if I ever have a really big audience and it would be a really good deal, you know, I'm not, it's not off the table for me, but I think that just shows you where my mindset is, where I'm just like, kind of like, I've done the research and I'm, I'm not in this for prestige. I'm in this to help people. I'm in this to to reach people with my words and any any way I can to help them. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. So interesting. Um, so yeah, I mean, in terms of the whole like what you were saying, what you brought up earlier. So you believe that everyone has got a book in them. Is that what you said? Or am I stretching all, that a bit? All business owners. All I business think owners. Most business owners. And I, probably not Probably not someone who, well, I don't know. I'm not saying all, I'm saying probably all business owners listening to this podcast have a book in them. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I imagine the, because I know who your customers and audience and clients are. I, I don't, and I mean, in general, I know I, I have a, a good sense of because we're in our group, our mastermind together. I know the amazing kind of people you're reaching and they're highly intelligent and they are thoughtful. And though that kind of person who also has a business probably has a story. Mm, yes, a story. Yes. Mm -hmm. And is that what you think is the key? So like some people might be listening to this and thinking, okay but I can't really write very well or whatever. And they might be thinking, actually, I'm good at talking, but I'm not good at writing. Or, you know, that's that might not be their strength, even though what they're doing is making an impact. So is it the story that you think is key? Yes, and that was a great opening. Thank you so much to, <laughs> to, talk, about, to talk about how some people are writing their books, which is there's a, there's a new, well, it's probably not new, but there's a, movement that has come somewhat recently to my attention where people are writing their books by dictation. So writing can take a long time. It can be a intimidating process, 
but talking is easier for most of us. And it turns out that readers love a conversational tone. They love to feel like someone is just a friend talking to them. And I'm not saying that we don't also love literary fiction where every sentence has been polished to, you know, a diamond, but people really like someone real who, who just feels like, yeah, it's a, it's a, someone's just telling their story and people love to read that and they love to hear it. So if you have a podcast or if you can turn on your voice recorder on your computer and talk to yourself <laughs> about your story or about your ideas, or if you can have a friend call you up and ask you questions about your life and about what matters to you and who you want to help and why and how your journey has been, you can write a book. And it can be a beautiful book that helps a lot of people. So I have a fairly new uh very new offering where I am helping people turn their podcast into a book if they have solo episodes and if it's high quality inspirational content. And I'm working with people to help them do that. But you don't need someone like me. You can hire me if you want, but you don't need someone like me. Anyone can do this. Anyone can transcribe. They can use dictation and transcription to write a book. And our words do need a lot of polishing because we, we say um and really and like and everything. But but I think for a lot of people, what's intimidating is the blank page. Like, okay, I'm going to write my book. Today's day one. Open up the Word document. Ah. And so if you just start talking and using some kind of um, – you can, you can record and then you can do your own transcription. Or there's actually multiple different services that will transcribe for you. Or you can use voice to text. There's lots of different ways. But I am – as a reader, a voracious reader who loves reading self-help and personal development and nonfiction, just I just want to encourage people listening to just write your book in any way, in any way, and use dictation if you can. And it's not like a lesser way. It's a great way to write a very conversational, a book that's conversational in tone. So that's, that's what I'm really excited about right now. I like that you said it's not a lesser way to write. That's so important because like we said about judgments about traditional publishing versus self-publishing there could be judgments here about kind of speaking out your book versus actually writing <laughs> it and and I think that the important thing is that you've got something to share that is going to be useful to people in some way and I would imagine most people with a with the kind of businesses who are listening to this have something to share that that it will speak to people and will make a difference and it just yeah. makes it Firstly, more accessible to even create a book in the first place, but also more accessible to, to the people who are consuming that information. Yes, yes. People like to consume information in different ways, and we need to hear it in different ways. You, you might, like to someone listening, you might need to hear these words in this podcast, and then you might also need to hear it to read it, to read something similar. And like, there's a lot of life lessons that I need to hear over and over and over in a video. In, through a podcast, in a book that I'm reading, in a blog post that I'm reading. And it really helps me to hear just to, sometimes even the same lesson that I've already read in a different book 
some new author can just bring a different spin to it or their own personal story and the way they related that lesson to their life. And it can just illuminate something for me. And that's, uh, that's such a gift to me, you know? And so I really think by not writing your book, it may be withholding some real gift you have to share with the world. Mm, That's beautiful and so encouraging. And I mean, that's obviously like the bigger picture type stuff and the emotions and the importance stuff. But there's also the, the fact that even if it's not a traditional publishing deal, I believe an entrepreneur having a book is prestigious, even if it's self-published. <laughs> like, and it's yes, good for yes, business, absolutely. basically, is what I'm trying to say as well. Oh, yeah. Yes, that's another benefit. Yeah, there's a lot of benefits to having a, a book, whether it's, no matter how it's published. I don't think people actually care that much, whether it's traditionally published or self-published, if it's on Amazon and it's easy to find. So, yeah, having a book published, self-published or traditionally published can bring you new can bring new eyes to your work, can help people discover you. It does um, add credibility to whatever you're doing, having a having a published book. And and of course, yeah, it's another it's a source of passive income. That's another income stream to add to your business. And we should all have (laughs) as many income streams as we can, I think, in our businesses. So in our mastermind group, we are like massively influenced by the ideas of like Kate Northrup, do less and like making things easier for yourself, honoring like your energy levels and stuff. And that that what you were just saying brings that up for me as well. Like a lot of people listening might think, okay, I would love to have a book, but it's too much. It's too much work. It's too much effort. It's Mm -hmm. it's it's Mm -hmm. another thing to think about. So I just think like what you've said about like dictating it or hiring it out, it could actually be something that's very easy to ask. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. There's different way there's kind of different levels of making it easy for yourself and time commitment. And of course it depends on your budget. And um but if you you can do it yourself and it's it's gonna be it's a lot of work and it's a lot of time, but dictating it is definitely the do less way. Like dictating it and transcribing it is a very efficient way to get your book written. And then you can do all the work yourself or you can hire out different pieces of it. So there's a lot of different pieces. There's the transcription itself and then there's going to be the editing and there is book cover design. There's going to be copy editing and marketing your books or writing the sales page and doing the research about the market and a few other pieces that you can hire different experts for. Or you can hire one person like me who specializes in all the parts of getting your book published. And what I am doing is making sure that the the book is very true to my client's words, but very polished as well. So um, the so I'm trying to make this offering I have right now as do less as possible, like as low time investment as possible, where the author is just involved in the parts they want to be involved in. So usually just the creative parts, um, of course, writing the book. They've already written, they've already written the book. 
and I'm transcribing it and just just um, trying to make every bit of time commitment as as um, efficient as possible, you know. So as just just like all the parts of the writing a book you want to be part of, where you know cover design and um, the way the book looks, and then of course you know the content is all the authors, but it can be it can be a challenge to hire out different pieces and then have something kind of cohesive come together that's been worked on by a bunch of different people. It's very possible, but I think having one person um, have the whole vision for the book and make it happen in your words, in your tone, that's important. So for me, when I'm, when I'm creating um, something for someone else, like it's very important for me that it's really their words in their tone, like in their style of writing, just, you know, polished up <laughs> and ready and broken down into chapters and that it looks like a book. So, you know, there's different ways you can, you can kind of, there's like the do it yourself way. And then there's finding someone like me who will do it for you. And then it can be very low time commitment, like, you know, a few, a couple days, a week of work, you know, or less. That's the goal. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That is so helpful to anyone thinking of this. And I think the same principles <laughs> apply. And it's definitely been my experience. So I've had one business and I'm building up a second one. It's definitely been my experience that the more I can just hand off to people and get out of my head and get stuff like, like yes. you said, a book is passive income and it's passive sort of lead generation mm -hmm. as well. And the more yes. I can get out of my head, like I know it's not the same, but you recommended someone to do Pinterest for me. And I'm been, I've been working with this person yeah. and he's just like done an amazing job and I'm getting new subscribers all the time. And I don't have to think about yes. it. I just don't have to think about it at all. And that for me is <laughs> yeah. the key not having to yes. have it all swirling around in my head. And like, obviously I will like chat to him and I'll talk to him about how it's going, but generally it's not in my head. So I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just um, talking to him, this, our, our Pinterest expert. And I saw the last message was in July wow. I had sent and it's November. <laughs> I was like, Oh, this is so nice. Yeah. It's like, he's just doing it. I am also getting like lots of traffic from Pinterest. Thanks to him. And it's, I just, I just said, good job. Like I hadn't said it since July. Keep going. Good job. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and that is so nice. That's because it's not always the case. Some people need more, um, and just the nature of some jobs, they just need more management, more oversight, but it's really nice when you can find someone who's kind of takes, takes all the initiative and is still open to, to feedback and, and, you know, teachable, but yeah, it's so nice when they can just you can just trust them to just take care of it. Absolutely. And when we talk about doing less in our businesses, the, the kind of realization I'm coming to is that sometimes doing less is doing more in the sense that you've got your finger in different pies. You've got, you've got mm -hmm. recurring passive income stuff going on behind the scenes. You've got different things set up, but ultimately you are doing less in like in your head and as an individual at the, at the kind of top of your business, I suppose. So like just, for me, adding a book to my business would be adding something more, but ultimately it would be helping it to run more without me doing as much, I think. Yes, yes. A book is one of the most, self-publishing a book is one of the most passive things you can do. Mm. On Amazon, I specifically work with Amazon um, 
which does print-on-demand publishing for paperback and Kindle, and they also own Audible, so you can create an audiobook, which is very profitable and low ongoing work. Mm. It's very do less. And so all three formats, Kindle, which is ebook, paperback, and audiobook are very do less once you just once you get them started, which really doesn't take that much time. Uh, I mean, writing the book takes time, but if you've got a podcast or if you're if you've if you can do dictation, like that's the matter of of a few hours. Oh, that reminds me, I should tell some uh, people listening something else that's not very well known is that book lengths are getting shorter. So like average what people like to read. So that's another thing that's very do less. Like you, it doesn't have to be this 50 or 60,000 word piece. It does if it's fiction, but nonfiction books can be like around 30,000 words. And people really like, which is about three hours, by the way, of spoken content. So wow. if you're looking for an odd, <laughs> yeah, it's not much at all. So you could do this. You could write a book in an afternoon, literally write your book in an afternoon. And of course, turning it into a book is, you know, just give it to me, just hand it over to me and I'll, <laughs> I'll do it. But that's that that's work, but it's not your creative work. It's the other kind of work. It's not, it's, it's a little bit of creativity to, to edit and to polish it, but it's, um, that the writing is, is pretty much done. Mm-hmm. It could be done. So, you know, if you're shopping, if you're going on a car trip and you want to buy an audiobook, you might be on a seven hour car trip, but most people are like, no, I'll just buy a three hour audiobook. I'll learn something in three hours. The car, you know, the, the road trip will be done. So that's just about 30,000 words. So mm-hmm. that's something a lot of people just, they just, it helps them get started. Like, okay, how do I break this down? This is a big goal. Okay. 30,000 words. All right. Let's do a thousand words today. Okay. Only 29 more days. And I'll, if they're writing it on, you know, and so I like to give that to people cause I was looking for that kind of information when I first started um, self publishing and how, how long do people want a book to be. So that's about for a nonfiction book, that's a good guideline to aim for about, it can be more of course, but people like shorter books. They like to, and it's still a full length book mm. for nonfiction, 30,000 words. Mm. Yeah. So I just thought I, I'd throw that in there along with the do less conversation because yeah. it's, it doesn't have to be this epic thing. Yeah. That's so helpful. Thank you. Okay. Well, I think that everything you've shared today is going to be incredibly helpful for people listening who have been potentially thinking about writing a book but hopefully this has opened people's eyes to the fact that you can do it differently you can do it more easily hopefully um I'm just going to ask you a few more questions before we finish so when um I booked you onto the podcast I asked you a question like I asked you to put forward a question (laughs) that you thought might be useful interesting to talk about and the question that you gave me was what's holding you back from creating what you're dreaming of and I think that that would be firstly an important question to put out to the audience and potentially for reflection what made you ask this question is and is there anything holding you back from what you're dreaming of Genevieve (laughs) (laughs) I somehow knew you're you I knew you were gonna ask me because you told me you were gonna ask me that but I actually haven't prepared at all. Like I, it just bubbled up from inside me as I was preparing, you know, filling out your form before this conversation. So I haven't really, so let me just sit with that for a second. Mm. What's holding me back? I think, I think it's mindset, which is a common theme for me. Like I, I'm really good at it, but I think I need to get better at it. Like just believing 
consistently. I can believe today. I can believe in a minute. I can spend 10 minutes of like believing in what I, in the dreams that I have, but then just maintaining that. I think that's that ability to maintain that belief, even when I'm in a bad mood or when I haven't gotten a lot of sleep or when I'm sad with myself because I just said something really grumpy to my kids, my five-year-old, like in those moments, it's like all the negative self-talk kind of just avalanches on me. And I'm like, oh my gosh. But in those moments, when I have little failures like that, I think, I think the ability to like consistently tell myself positive things, you know, and think positive, loving thoughts about myself or to myself, encouraging thoughts. I think that's holding me back. Like that's an ability that I'm just really working on. Mm, I think that a lot of people will relate to that. So thank you for sharing (laughs) that. Um, Okay. So I've got one extra question for you before we finish from my deck of random questions. And that is, what is the most surprising self-realization you've had? Okay. What is the most surprising self-realization? realization that I've had such a good question okay I think it's just how creative I am I'm really surprised by how creative I am I don't know why that's surprising I've been creative my whole life but you know as we grow up (laughs) I'm 35 now and I you know we get to compare ourselves more and we're out in the world and we're kind of figuring out what our gifts are and I think I'm just really creative and that shouldn't be surprising but it is it is to me I'm not sure why it's surprising but yeah that's probably just like it's like a constant thing and it's almost it's actually you know it's a double-edged sword it's a good thing it's a gift but it's also a distraction from new ideas coming in are a distraction from consistently creating making things real and you know building things over over the long term Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you so much, Genevieve. That was such a insightful chat. And I love the mixture of like the practical stuff, but also speaking to that stuff that mindset wise would hold people back. So thank you so much for sharing. If you want to find out more about Genevieve, visit her website, podcasttobook.com, like she just mentioned. You can find out all about her services there. She's also on Instagram at podcasttobook and two is the number two. And she also has her regular account, Genevieve Writes, on Instagram. And you can find her books on Amazon Kindle. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Creatively Human. If you have a moment, I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast. It really does make a difference. And if you'd like to carry on the conversation or ask a question for a future Q&A episode, there are three ways to connect with me. On the Facebook group on Instagram at Ruth Poundwhite or my personal favourite, my behind the scenes newsletter. Just go to ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash newsletter to subscribe and keep doing what you're doing because your work really does matter.